This is 20 Pages a Week, where together you and I will read all the way through the Bible in a year. I am Hal Hammonds, and I'm here to help. I'll supply one story that grabbed my attention, one verse I found particularly interesting, and one word I couldn't get out of my mind. The rest is up to you. This is Quarter 1, Lesson 4. The reading is the book of Leviticus. We'll start with my first impressions. The phrase, just as the Lord had commanded through Moses, or just as the Lord had commanded Moses, or just as the Lord had commanded, or just as Moses had commanded, varieties of that phrase occur 13 times, as I counted, in chapters 8 and 9 of Leviticus. The connection to chapter 10, which is going to be the one story, is going to wait a couple of minutes. But while I was reading through this context, that really struck me. The first seven chapters of Leviticus are basically God just giving directions. This is the way it's going to be. This is what you're going to do, etc., etc., and not really very much activity at all. Chapter 8 is the first time when people are actually asked to go out and do things in the book of Leviticus, and they did them. And it's worth noting here, the very last verse of the book emphasizes that this is being done at Sinai. This is in the immediate context of the events at Sinai, the giving of the Ten Commandments, the trip up the mountain by Moses where he stayed, and eventually the people came to rebel against his things and go in their own way. In these early days, the people were very interested in doing just as the Lord commanded. They were very meticulous in their obedience They showed reverence toward God and the things of God, and they acknowledged Moses as the leader. It'd be nice if this were setting the stage for future events, that the rest of the time in the wilderness, they're going to act exactly that way. You and I both know that's not the case. Leviticus 10 and verse 1 and following reads, Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took their respective firepans, and after putting fire in them, placed incense on the fire, and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And fire came out from the presence of the Lord, and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, It is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I will be treated as holy, and before all the people I will be honored. So Aaron therefore kept silent. This is not going to be a big surprise to you, probably. There's really only one story in the book of Leviticus. There's a brief story about a blasphemer who might or might not be executed, and of course, eventually he is. But when people think about stories in Leviticus, we go to chapter 10. And as we were mentioning before in chapters 8 and 9, this emphasis on doing just as the Lord had commanded, not just what the Lord commanded, but just as the Lord commanded, very meticulous in application and in compliance to the will of the God that Moses was introducing them to. Of course, during their time in the wilderness, that was not always going to be the case. And the first real act of rebellion after the event at Sinai is this here, by the two oldest sons of Aaron, including presumably the next high priest. They are struck dead by God. And it's interesting to look at the similarity between what happened to them and what happened to the offering. At the very end of chapter 9, we read that the fire went out from the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the portions of fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell face downward. This was a demonstration of the power of God, the presence of God. He sent fire out to consume this offering. And that's kind of an interesting concept right there. Nadab and Abihu and the rest of the priests were commissioned to bring fire before the Lord. 
God clearly was very capable of providing his own fire. This should be a reminder to us that we, like Nadab and Abihu, are doing the things that we do for our benefit, not for God's benefit. He can take care of himself. There's no question about that. When he asks us to perform before him, it is to show the content of our character, whether we are or are not willing to do exactly what the Lord has commanded us. Nadab and Abihu were not. Their motivation is not really discussed here. The precise nature of the strange fire that they presented is not discussed. What is told to us is that they were consumed just like the offering was. I don't think this is what Paul meant by a living sacrifice in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. No, they were a dying sacrifice, unfortunately. Sacrifice to the holiness of God. And as the text goes on to indicate to us, Aaron and the rest of the family were told not to mourn over this, not to regret these happenings. This is a demonstration of the wrath of God. It is a good thing for him to be proclaimed as holy. And there's going to be some fallout from that. There are going to be victims, if you will, in the demonstration of God's holy wrath. The solution is not to fix God's attitude. The solution is not to broaden his mind somehow. The solution is for us to be holy people, for us to trust in him and go where he has told us to go and believe that in doing so, we are going to be acceptable in his eyes. The one verse I wanted to focus on is also in chapter 10, chapter 10 and verse 7. And I hope I'm not giving the impression that I only read through four chapters of Leviticus and that's it. This is not going to be a policy here to just focus on one particular aspect of the entire reading. But this is where my head was going, and it seemed like it was worth mentioning here. In verse number 7, Moses is telling Aaron and his remaining sons, You shall not even go out from the doorway of the tent of meeting, or you will die, for the Lord's anointing oil is upon you, so that they did according to the word of Moses. This is talking about the mourning process, or the lack of mourning, if you will, in connection with the death of Nadab and Abihu. You stay on the task, he says. You stay here and do your job. And the reason is you have an anointing. You have been chosen. The anointing oil of God is still on you. I keep coming back to this idea of this extraordinarily flammable liquid being on the garments of the brothers who just saw their brothers erupt into flame. I certainly think that if I were Aaron in this kind of position, and if I knew that my sons were covered in oil, that they should be very careful handling fire. I think that's probably a pretty good bit of advice for all of us, regardless of our particular task in the moment. But the importance of the oil is not so much its physical nature, of course. It is its spiritual nature. And it made me think of 1 John 2, verse 20, where God says that we have an anointing, and you know all things. We, as the spiritual priests of God in this spiritual priesthood, Revelation 1, verse 6 talks about that, We have the capacity to perform before God. We have the ability and the obligation to bring our offerings to him, our spiritual offerings of faith. But we have to do so in a proper way. And there's a very real sense in which when we fail in this task, when we fall short, the anointing itself becomes, after a fashion, the cause of our destruction. We were called to great things, and instead of achieving great things, instead of performing as God had expected us to, we reject the anointing. We do as we want to do rather than as God wants us to do. We, just like Nadab and Abihu, are representing God. We are standing in the place of God for our neighbors, for our brethren, as we perform these spiritual sacrifices. 
we need to be careful around his altar also. We need to make sure that when we are doing what we think anyway is God's work, that we make sure it's done in a proper and holy and respectful way, one that brings him honor rather than representing our own personal preferences and convenience. Well, if only to prove I did read more than just three or four chapters in Leviticus this week, I'm going to forbear with choosing the word holy or the word commanded or some such thing. Instead, I'm going to turn to the word fat. Fat is a word that we discuss a lot in the modern day and almost always negatively. It's worth noting that in the Bible, usually it's a positive thing. And I think it's being used in a positive way in Leviticus. In chapter 3 and verse 17 and many other places, the fat is reserved for God. The fat belongs to God. They were not supposed to eat of the fat of these animals that were being sacrificed, nor were they even to eat a fat of dead animals that they found. Fat belongs to God. And there are plenty of secularists who will grab hold of this and say, see, this is our diet regimen. This is how we're supposed to be eating. They even knew that back in Moses' day. You ought to avoid eating fat. Well, I'm not suggesting that we go out and eat fat. I am suggesting that's not what is meant in this text. I'm not opposed to being healthy in a general sense with regard to your diet or your exercise or anything else. But God has more noble, more spiritual things in mind here. I think the whole point in this context is that meat tastes better when you eat it with fat. I think that's why the fat is reserved for God, to make sure that even in this act of indulgence, even as we are profiting directly from these sacrifices, the best thing that God has to offer, he's reserving for himself. Not to deprive us, not just so we'll have to do without, but rather because we need to be conscious of always giving our best to God. The sacrifices that we offer up to God in the New Testament era will be a benefit to you. We will be able to eat from the altars. There's no question about that. But these sacrifices are not for us. They are for God. And when we find that we are deprived or lacking in some fashion, we're not getting as much satisfaction out of our worship, out of our service as we think we might or we ought or we used to, That doesn't mean that there's something wrong with the process. That doesn't mean that we should be able to eat a little fat every once in a while. This is always about God. This is always about honoring God and the things that we do. We may or may not derive specific satisfaction out of any of these particular actions. But that's not the point. The point is always to honor and revere God. Whatever sacrifices we offer in his name, that needs to be the focus. Thanks for listening to 20 Pages a Week. Please don't hesitate to reach out with your stories about your trip through the Bible this year. I'd love to hear from you. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share with your friends. And check out my other podcast, Citizen of Heaven. I'll see you next week. God bless and keep reading.